Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. One verse only. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. Lord, we're thankful for your word, and we thank you for your wonderful truth. God, as we go into your word today, I pray for your anointing. God, in the unction of your spirit to deliver your word, help us to have understanding. Let revelation flow into this sanctuary today. And God, anoint our minds and our hearts to hear the word and receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Something's been pondering on my spirit for a couple of weeks and uh, just felt to go with it today. It's more of a Sunday school teaching than it is a normal Sunday morning evangelistic service, but it's something of great importance. And I'm praying that God will give some revelation today and that we can get more rooted and grounded in the Word of God, have a clearer understanding, be reminded and refreshed into this glorious truth. Thank you, Brother Bennett. Amen. Y'all will learn what this is all about. I'm not drinking coffee this morning. Right here will be just wonderful. That's okay. That's perfect. Thank you. All right. Isn't God good? I want to teach this morning on the oneness of God. Everybody say the oneness of God. The scripture which we just read is the prayer of Israel called the Shema. They pray it twice daily. And this prayer is identifying, proclaiming, declaring that God is one. He's not a trinity. He's not three persons of the Godhead. But he is one God. It says, hear ye, O Israel, hear ye, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. Now, I'll give just a quick point to this. Is Jesus called Lord, the Lord of Lords? Amen. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Prince of Peace. And God is Lord, according to Isaiah 42 and 8, and others. Amen. So how could he both be Lord if they were separate? And the Bible says there's one Lord. Just a quick little lesson there. And I know you understand this, but it is a beautiful truth. In Isaiah 42, I believe it is verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. And if there was a three persons of the Godhead, then he'd be given Jesus, that is another, his glory. And he's not going to do that. His word is true and faithful. Neither my praise to graven images. Amen. The word of God is wonderful. We find later on in 1 Kings 18, 24, and I won't go through all the verses through 39. And again, I won't go through all of these, but it's a time where there's a showdown at Mount Carmel. Whenever there's Baal and there's 450 prophets of Baal, and there's Elijah, the one prophet of God that is spoken of in this set of verses. And the showdown was, who is the real God? God's never lost a who is a real God contest, if you will. He is the only God. He's the one true God. There are no other gods. Oh, hallelujah. We can make things gods, but it's not really a God. Muhammad is not really a God. Baal was not really a God. 
Ashdod was not really a God. Buddha is not a God. These are things that people call a God, but they're not a God because a God is a God who creates. He is a God who loves. He is an almighty, all-powerful God. He is a God who is personal. He is a God who hears our prayers. He is a God that moves in our life. He is a God who came upon this earth and gave his life to redeem those who he created. Now that is a God. Oh, hello, somebody. A God that can't hear, that ain't a God. A God that can't love, that ain't a God. A God that can't intervene, that's not a God. A God that cannot redeem, that's not a God. Oh, but aren't you thankful who, that you know who he is? The one true living God. And so I, I, Elijah just has a little good time with the prophets of Baal. He says, choose your bullets for yourselves and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but... But put no fire under it. And they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it. Just picture yourself there on the scene that day watching all that is about to take place. And he says, call on the name of Baal from morning even until noon. saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah began to have a good time. And Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud. Come on, get louder. For he is a God. Either he is talking, he's in a conversation that he can't hear you, but our God can hear millions of people at one time. Hello, somebody. Or he's pursuing or he's in a journey or pre-adventure he's gone to sleep. And y'all must awake him. And they cried aloud and cut themselves. I'm glad I don't have to cut myself to get my God's attention. All we got to do is cry out one time. All we got to do is whisper his name. Oh, praise God. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past. And they prophesied. I don't know what in the world they were prophesying, but it wasn't true. Until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. You know why? Because it wasn't a God. Because when God's people call upon him with sincerity, and desire he is going to answer he is going to regard well praise God somebody say praise the Lord I don't know what's happening they get me all fixed up I'm not worried about it give our sound people a great big hand and Elijah said to all the people come near unto me and all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with those stones they built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar. As great as would contain two measures of seed, he put wood in order and cut the bullocks in pieces, laid them on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels of water and pour it it on the burnt sacrifice and on the woods. And they were soak it, saturate it, 
down. I want this to be no question, no doubt what is about to happen. He said, do it a second time. And then he did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. So 12 barrels of water has been soaking, drenching that altar, and there's no way it's going to catch fire in a natural sense. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of even sacrifice, Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. And I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. You're never going to put God to test that he doesn't come through. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. Listen to what it said. And they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Aren't you thankful for a real God this morning? I, I just want to picture Elijah there knowing the outcome was going to be. He knew what his God was going to do because he served a real God. But I wonder what people walked away with that day. I wonder how hard was it for them to preach Baal anymore. Come on. But people walked away with proof and evidence that Baal was not real, but the one true Jehovah God was all-powerful. He was real. He was personable. He responded to the cries of his people. Everybody say one God. Isaiah 9 and 6. I was able to share this with one of the uh, Filipinos that was on the cruise. For unto us a child is born. Who is that speaking about? Prophesying of Jesus, right? Now the word can speak for itself. Unto us a son is given. Who is it talking about? All right, that's established. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. We're going good right now then something is in placed in this scripture that identifies who he is. We're talking about the coming Messiah. Jesus is what this is all about. And it says, the mighty God. Oh, come on now. The, the, the only one. The mighty God. Watch this. Jesus is the ever Lasting Father. Jesus is wonderful. He's a counselor. Come on, somebody. He's the mighty God. Jesus is the everlasting Father. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You want to know who Jesus is? He is God robed in the flesh. Woo. Now let's go a little further in Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy. Without question, great is the mystery of godliness. There's a lot of confusion about the Godhead. It, it identifies, it, you know, it, it acknowledges that. But watch what it says, God. Everybody say God. Now who are we talking about? We're talking about God, right? God was manifest in the flesh. How? 
through Jesus Christ. God was justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels. God preached unto the Gentiles. Now who preached to the Gentiles? Jesus. Oh, come on somebody. God was believed on in the world. I'm putting God there because there's a comma because it's going back to the original name identified. And God received up into glory. Who was received up into glory? Who preached to the Gentiles? Who was believed on in the world? Who was seen of angels? Come on. Ah, you say, well, that scene of angels could have been talking about God. No, because God's a spirit. They saw Jesus. Jesus preached to the Gentiles. Jesus was received up on up into, into the glory. And so it says that God, so this proves to us without question or without that of the oneness of God. There is not three persons of the Godhead, but there is one Lord. Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Oh, I'm excited this morning to know who Jesus is. Is he's not Jehovah Junior? He is Jehovah. Jesus is Jehovah our Savior. First Corinthians two and eight says, which none of the princes of this world knew. Let's go to two and eight. None of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Can you go back to verse seven? I'm sorry, I may. Have Meant to put that up there. Let's see. Verse 7. It's okay. This is talking about the mystery of, of the Godhead. And it says that the princes of this world did not know that this was God. That they were about to crucify. For had they known, they would not have followed through with it. Because they would have known you can't kill God, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world. What is that hidden wisdom? What is that mystery? And that is Jesus is God. For he hid it from the devil. Because had the devil known that this that Jesus was God, he wouldn't have crucified him. Hello, somebody. So if the devil did not know, then when did he find out? Because James 2 and 19 says, Thou that believest in one God, doest well. For the devil also believes and trembles. I'll tell you when he found out. I believe when he found out. Because we know he didn't know it earlier. But now he knows it. It's when Jesus came to get the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He knew he had messed up. He knew that that was God. He realized at that point that Jesus was God. And he trembles at the thought of it. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. The oneness of God is a beautiful revelation. And it has to come through revelation. Amen. It comes through understanding of the scripture, but revelation has to come for us to see it. And the word and the spirit will produce revelation. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. For in him, speaking of Jesus, amen, dwelleth, everybody say dwelleth, in houses, all 
the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Somebody say, I know who Jesus is. In John chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus looked at them. They said, show us the Father. He said, when you have seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. I'm talking about the oneness of God. Come on. God's a one God. His truth is one truth. He doesn't have multiple truths. The word truth means absolute. It cannot mean any other thing. It cannot be two things and be truth. Only one can be true. God said, let he, that, that, let him be true and that every man's a liar. Amen? Let me go a little further. John, 1 John 5 and 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Okay, here's your trinity. No, trinity's not in the Bible. Now, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Now, that might lean toward three distinct persons until it finishes up and says these three are one. Come on. I'm talking about the oneness of God. It's a beautiful story. Amen. And then we find this Word. We know the Father is God, right? We know the Word in the beginning, in John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So, what is the Word? God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Wait a minute. If Jesus is Jehovah Junior, then it was God who created the earth, right? The stars, the sun, the moon, the planets, the galaxies that created the, the separation of the waters. It was God that brought forth the plants. It was God who brought forth the fowls of the air. It was God who brought the fish of the sea. It was God who put all that made all of animal on the planet. It was God who took dirt and formed man and breathed into his nostril and he became a living soul, right? But here it says that Jesus made all things. And without Jesus, there wasn't anything that was made. Why? How? God's word is, he is not the author of confusion. The reason it says this, because Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the world. He looked at them and he said, before Abraham was, I am. There's not two I am's. There's only one I am. Oh, hallelujah. And that one I am is God, Jesus Christ, robed in the flesh. Mary, now who was the, who's the father? Who's the father? God, the father, right? So under the, and I'm not attacking anything, I'm just trying to explain. Under the theory of Trinitarianism, of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, then God has to be the father of the Son, right? But if you go to the Scripture, the Scripture says that Mary was overshadowed and conceived 
by the Holy Ghost. So that would make the Holy Ghost the Father and not God under that theory. Of course, we have revelation. We understand very clear, Brother Allie, that God is the Holy Ghost, that God is the Son, that God is the Father. And all these three are one. There's no question about that because the Holy Ghost would be identified as the Father. But God is not confused. It is His Spirit that came down and caused her to be overshadowed her and conceived, but it was God. The Father. Oh, praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord. Now, I want to give a little illustration here this morning. We're going to say all that's in there was in here. Okay? Now just bear with me. So here is water. And I got this water, not really, but we're going to say we did. Got this water from there. I dipped in and filled this up with water, right? Now, this is God. Or this is water. What is that? This is God. What is that? You can't separate it. Now, but it's Jesus Christ we're talking about, not water. What is this? That's water made into another form. But it's still water. And Jesus Christ is God made in another form. But he's still God. Oh, hallelujah. When we get to heaven, I got news for us. You're not going to see a physical God per se as man would think. But we're going to see Jesus Christ because he is the only image. He's the only body that God has ever dwelt in. And we're going to see him and we're going to cast our crowns at his feet, which has a body. Come on, somebody. We're going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb with a real God in a real body of Jesus Christ. He's still God, but he's in the form. You couldn't have the form without the God. He said, I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. It's in the water, and the water's in this ice cube. There's no difference. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. There's one body. There's one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. I'm talking about the oneness of God. There's one body, and there's one spirit. Now, the, the body here, from my understanding, is not talking about, per se, the physical body of Jesus Christ, but the body of the church. There's one body, and that's called the church of the living God. And there's one spirit. There's not, I heard people say, man, if they'd got the Holy Ghost I got, they wouldn't act like that. Well, there's only one Holy Ghost, my friend. You can get a little stronger dose of it, maybe. And maybe you can be more committed to it, more full of it. But there's only one Holy Ghost. There's only one Spirit. But then it says in verse 5, one Lord, 
I don't know what the world, religious world wants to do with Jesus being Lord and God being Lord and being different persons. We don't have a problem with it because we know that Jesus is God, that God is Lord and Jesus is Lord. And the only way that can be is because they're the same. There's one Lord and there's one faith. That faith is in Christ and Christ alone. There's one baptism. And that's water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins accordingly to the word of God. There is one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, how is God in us? Jesus said in John chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, ye may be also. He's not talking about physical mansions because they're already there. He's talking about a place called Calvary that he would go and construct a place that he would build through the old rugged cross that would give us the gospel that we could follow. He is only through him. We cannot get to God in any other way. We cannot be saved in any other fashion, but we must come to him. We must go to the foot of Calvary. We must repent of our sins. We'll get into all that in a minute. Now, and 1 John 5 and 8 says, and there are three. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute before we go there. Let's go back to 14, John 14. It said, and the comforter is the Holy Ghost, right? He tells them, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. How's Jesus going to come to us? He said, I am with you, but I shall be in you. How's Jesus going to get in me? It says, He blew on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost was not yet given, for Christ was not yet glorified. The Spirit of God could not come and dwell in us. It was He was with us in body or with the disciples in body. He said, I'm with you, but I'm going to be in you. And the only way he could be in us is he had to be glorified before his spirit could come, the spirit of the Holy One or the ghost of the Holy One. And that carries us to the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2 and 1 through 4. And, on the, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one place in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they all were filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus in us. Christ in you. The hope of glory. You know why we've got hope and glory? It's because when we've been filled with the Holy Ghost, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Can I preach to you this morning? If you've not received the Holy Ghost, I plead with you. Open your heart. Ask God to fill you. Jesus, I don't want to just accept you, but I want you to accept me. Jesus, I don't want to shake nobody's hand. I want to have a born again experience. 
Oh, praise God. And so, 1 John 5 and 8 says, There are three that bear witness in the earth. 5 and 7 said there's three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost. Then it says in verse 8, there are three that bear witness in earth. Come on, somebody. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. These bear witness of His presence, of His glory, of His redemption, of His remission. Come on, somebody. The Spirit of God bears witness when you're filled with His presence. It is the Spirit of God that deals with man. For no man cometh to the Father except the Spirit draw him. That is a witness on earth when the Spirit of God begins to deal with a soul and begins to draw. When the Spirit of God begins to minister to somebody, that is the witness on the earth. And the water is a witness <laughs> when we go down in that watery grave. Praise God and obey the word of God to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the removal or from the remission of your sin. That is a witness of your own earth that this will wash away your sins. Oh, praise God. It removes or remits our sin. But then we don't stop there. There's one more that bears record, and it's the blood. The water wouldn't, wouldn't help us if it wasn't for the blood. The water is a symbol, and it is literal, and it is necessary for salvation. Come on. Baptism is necessary for salvation. Come on. That name has to be attached for it to have authority to remove sins. Without a name, there's no authority to remove sins. And so the water is for the remission or the removing of our sins. But it's the blood. I said it's the blood that is affected on earth. And the blood of Calvary that spilled on this earthly soul is a witness. Is a witness that when we cry out to him, we repent of our sins and we're baptized in his name. That blood is applied. And it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's why it's a witness, Brother McGill. This lit my fire when I read it. And I've read it many times. But there's a witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And that all came from heaven. But then there's a witness on this earth. Uh, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And it's a witness of God. And bears record of heaven that it affects mankind. And it'll operate on this earth until the last moment, until the church is removed. Well, praise God. I got to hurry. He told me, don't worry about it. Now, I want to just share this in closing. I'm talking about, everybody said, the oneness of God. Now, we know that He's one. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's, that's what the scripture said. But y'all know there's more than one way to be saved, right? No, there's not. You know there's only one. What kind of God that's a one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism that would place multiple choices 
for different people to choose their preference. That's not one God. That's not a plan of God. Come on. He's a, he is a just God. And to be a just God, it's got to be the same for everybody. The blood is for everybody. It doesn't matter about nationality. It doesn't matter about ethnicity. It doesn't matter about our past. It doesn't matter whether we were born into a good family or a rough family. It doesn't matter if we lived a clean life or if we lived a sinful, full of sin life. What matters is the blood of Jesus Christ, that it takes the blood. Nothing can wash away my sins. Nothing but the blood. Of Jesus. We're not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold, but with the precious, somebody say precious, that precious blood, that blood that flowed from the slain Lamb of God, that it could take away the sins of the world. I'm talking about precious. You know, they use the term precious talking about precious stones, precious jewels, precious commodities. That is of the high value. Of that, of that substance, there's nothing more valuable that's ever touched this planet than the blood of Jesus Christ. For when that blood spilled, when that blood oozed out of his body, it was offered to all of mankind. For he said in the scripture, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. This signifying the death. Come on, somebody. That's why Jesus was glad to face an old rugged cross because he knew what it would provide. That once he was lifted up, that once he died, and that once he resurrected. I'm talking about one God. He died one time. He resurrected one time. Come on. Nothing could ever eradicate it. Nothing could take it out of existence. Because there's now record and there's witness on the earth. Come on, somebody. There's a spirit. There's the water. And there's a blood. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that exciting? I don't care what the world says. I don't care how they water this down. I don't care how the agnostics view it. I don't care what direction religion goes. It would never remove the witness of the spirit and the water and the blood. And whosoever will, let him come. It will reach those in the far corners of this earth. It works for the Muslims. It works for the Buddhists. It works for the sinner. It works for everybody. No matter where they're at, the water, the the. The spirit, the water, and the blood is a witness. Well, clap your hands to Jesus. Now, I'm going to show three things that line up. And then I'm going to close. Three things that line up. God is precept upon precept. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. He's a God of order. He knows what he's doing. He's an all-wise God. His plan is perfect. It is without flaw whatsoever. You know, that's why man has no right. The Bible says it's of no private interpretation. Let God be true and every man a liar. Come on. Because his word is true. He's just. He's faithful. But let's go back to the tabernacle plan under the law. For to be saved then people would have to come on the Day of Atonement and bring their sacrifice. If they didn't show up, there was, no, there was nothing pushed forward. They had one choice. They had a choice to show up 
bring the sacrifice or stay home and don't bring one. That's it. You know what's wrong with the world today in religion? they got too many choices. But literally, there is not but one choice. It's either truth or it's nothing at all. Now, it says they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. It looks like godliness, but there's no power. Because the power is in the Holy Ghost. It can look like church. It can kind of act like church. But it ain't church. Because there's no power. Come on. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. To be witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, i got to quit running off track over there. So, in the tabernacle plan, if you haven't studied it, I encourage you to do so. They would bring that and they'd give it to the priest. What was the first thing in the tabernacle plan? In the layout of the tabernacle, there was the brazen altar. It all starts at the altar. Something's got to die. And there on the altar, the animal was slain. And the blood was shed. Come on. Then the next piece of furniture was the brazen laver. And that is the water. That is the cleansing. The washing and the cleansing. And then beyond that was the holy place. Now, where you go in and there was a shoe bread. There was the altar of incense, the aroma of worship. Then there was a golden candlestick bringing revelation, enlightenment. And that was the next place. We can repent. We can be baptized, but we got to have revelation. we got to have the word of God. We've got to go into a spirit of worship. Worship will usher us into the presence of God. Come on. Worship is a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Come on, don't ever downplay worship. Look at worship from the point of view of the one that we worship. He loves worship. He, he loved David because David danced before him. David clapped before him. David waved his arms before him. David sang praises to him, and that was sweet aroma. Next time you're worshiping God, think about it. I'm just sending up sweet aroma to heaven. You, you don't just worship in church, but you worship in your home. We worship wherever we're at because God is everywhere at all times. i got to hurry. Now, so beyond that was the holiest of holies. Not everybody was allowed in there. Okay? And they would give the blood to the high priest. And the high priest would take that blood and he would go and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And the cherubim wings connected over the ark of the over, over that seat there, the mercy seat. And the blood was sprinkled. And when that happened, God pushed all their sins forward to the next year. He postponed the punishment from their sins. And so now we see Jesus said, "I." he's the tabernacle. He's the temple, right? He said, you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. So now Jesus becomes the tabernacle, right? 
And so he dies on a cross, and the blood was shed. He is buried in the tomb and resurrects the third day and walk in newness of life. So we have death, burial, and resurrection. We have altar, water, spirit. Right? Praise God. But now, here we are. I'm talking about oneness of God. And I'm closing with this. Don't let me bore you. But I'm showing that God is a God of order. And he is aligning with the tabernacle plan to Jesus Christ and how the order is laid out. Because Jesus is the only, only Lamb of God that was without flaw, without spot, and without blemish. He was the only perfect Lamb to ever live on this planet. And it's that precious blood of an unspotted Lamb. It's that precious blood of an unflawed Lamb. He, he, he uh, was tempted in all manner yet without sin. Now, what do, how do we line with the tabernacle plan and with Jesus? The Bible says, With flaming fire taking vengeance on them who know not God and who obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if we got to obey the gospel, there's no way to get around it. If we got to obey the gospel, how do I obey death, burial, and resurrection? I know you all know this, but bear with me. How do I obey death, burial, and resurrection? I've got to do it because that's what he told Nicodemus. Except the man be born of water and spirit, he can't even get in the kingdom of God. That kingdom's right here on earth. We can't even get in it without being born again of the water and the spirit. And so how do I obey the gospel and how am I born again? I'm so glad you asked because I want to tell you how. Peter told them when the spirit was poured out and the church was born and Peter preached the very first plan of salvation given to the church. There's not one, there's not two, three, four, five plans of salvation that would make him an unjust God. He wouldn't be the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we know that he is. There's only one truth. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one plan of salvation. Why would God give you a plan different than he gave me? That wouldn't make any sense. He died to give us this one plan. And so we obey the gospel and we die through repentance and the Romans says that we are crucified with him and destroy this body of sin that's why we've got to repent we've got to die out to the old man oh hallelujah we get to die out to the old man we get to die and we're crucified with him and then we're buried with him in Romans chapter 6, with him and by baptism. How are we buried with him by baptism? Because when you put the name of Jesus Christ, you are joined with him in the authority of his name. And we're buried in that water with him in baptism in Jesus' name. And our sins are washed away. So now we've died and we've been buried. And we're not going to stay in the grave. Jesus died, he was buried, he resurrected. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, and I believe it's, I can't remember 3 or I think it's verse 3, it says we are resurrected with him. 
and walk in newness of life. Second Corinthians 5 and 17 says, when you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. It lines up, and we shall walk in newness of life. The old man died on an altar and was buried in a watery grave, and a new man resurrected, and we're born again of the water and of the Spirit. Isn't it a wonderful truth? Praise God. Let's stand together. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a wonderful truth. The scripture, and they say, we, Sister Tiffany, we go, why is this so complicated to religious world? The Bible says, it's so simple, it confounds the wise. It's so simple, it confounds the wise. God made it easy. I know it's not easy to this old flesh to do these things. But God gave us one plan. He wants us to be saved. He would that all men come to repentance and that none should perish. He wants us all to be filled with his spirit of that. And, and the Bible says without his spirit. And there's only one way to get his spirit. And the Bible says without his spirit, we are none of his. I want to be one of his. Don't you want to be one of his? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wondered, Lord, why would you lay this message on my heart when most everybody there is going to know this? But we need to be refreshed. And maybe there are some that never heard this before here today. And God's given you an opportunity to hear the truth. His plan to know the oneness of God. And the Bible says we're to be one with Him. Everybody say the oneness of God. There's one truth. There's one plan of salvation. There's two eternities, but we'll only spend hours in one. Either heaven or hell. I'm talking about the oneness of God. He couldn't be oneness if there was multiple choices of salvation. He could not be oneness if he offered different plans of salvation. But he offered one. He offered one, and that's the only one we need. And it's the only one, Brother Kamsi, that's going to work because it's his plan. He's a great God. He has a great plan. And he plans, he has gave a plan that will save all of mankind. Would you pray right now where you stand? And say, Lord, I want my eyes to be open. Doesn't matter what I've been taught. Doesn't matter what I've been raised in. Doesn't matter what I've always believed. 
I want to know what your word. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved of work, but needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean there's multiple ways of salvation. You figure out which one is best for you. That's not it at all. It's saying there's a personal responsibility for everybody to work it out. God's provided a salvation for us. But we've got to work through it. And we've got to be willing to follow the plan. And He gave His life to give us this plan. He gave His life that we might have life and have it more abundantly. These altars are open. I invite you to come. I invite you this morning to say, Lord, even if I've never heard this before, I want to know more. I want to open up myself to receive. I want to learn what thus saith the Lord. I don't want to be caught up in religion. They're a dime a dozen. I don't want to be caught up in a man-made, drafted religion that will cater to sin or flesh. But God, I want to be caught into your truths. And I want to know your truth. I want to live your truth. Because when I stand before you, Lord, it's only going to be me and you and your truth. And whether I've obeyed or not, there is a Bible, there's a scripture in the Bible that's given us an example, it's a parable about a man that was there he didn't have on the wedding garment he thought he was ready he thought he was saved they said how'd you get in here with not having on a wedding garment he didn't even know and he was cast out that doesn't mean people are going to show up in heaven and be thrown out it just means that there's going to be people that think they're saved but they all to follow the truth. Don't follow religion. Please follow truth. Truth is the only thing that's going to get us there. Truth is the only thing that's going to redeem us. But it's for whosoever will. Oh, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Oh, in the name of Jesus, let's love the Lord. Come on, let's reach our hands to Him and say, Lord, I want all you got. God, I want everything you have to offer, regardless of where I walked in today. If there's more of you, I want more of you. Oh, if there's something else you got for me, God, I want it. I want to grow in your truth. I want to grow in your truth. I want to live your truth. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's love Him.